Amen. Psalm 34 is one of my favorite psalms, beginning at verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps about, round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. I'm going to stop there at verse 10. I want to share with you this morning, it's time to worship. It's time to worship. God is good, is he not? He's worthy of our praise, worthy of our worship. And when I talk about the phrase, it's time to worship, uh, as we come into this Thanksgiving season, you know, we, we, we take the fourth Thursday of the month of November to stop and honor God and to give thanks for the blessings on our lives. And I think it's an, uh, it's an awesome opportunity. Uh, but you hear every year, and really it's something we need to get down into our hearts, that Thanksgiving's not really supposed to be a day. It's supposed to be a lifestyle. We're supposed to be grateful people. Am I right? Supposed to be grateful people. We are, as we celebrate our veterans uh, today and this and, and tomorrow, some of you get off work because, because of the sacrifices that veterans made. I don't know how y'all get off, get off work. Uh, but the veterans made some sacrifices, and, and we, we live in the greatest country in the world, and we're grateful for that. God has blessed America. Amen. God has blessed this place. And so uh, we should be grateful people. We should be thankful people. And so when we hear the phrase, it's time to worship, normally we are thinking about a specific time on the clock. Why? Because we're all creatures of time. Everything we do, everything we do is based on time. We get up at a certain time. We have to be at work or we have to be at school at a certain time. Classes start at certain times. We have meetings that we've got to go to at a certain time. We have deadlines. We have events that we've got to go to. There are games that start. There are school events that start at a certain time. Birthday parties always have. We're going to start here, and this is where it's going to be. We always have to know what time it is. When we get together, what time does the movie start? What time are we going out to dinner? What time are we leaving? Because let's be honest, many times the most important question to ask is not when does it start, but when is this thing over? <laughs> am I right? You ever been in those situations? Yeah, I know what time it starts. I just want to know when am I getting out of here, all right? Some of y'all are thinking that right now. Well, I don't know. When are you getting out of here, right? Why? Because we're slaves to the clock. We're slaves to the clock. And honestly, we really can't help it. I mean, this is, it's hard not to live our lives based on what time it is. This is how life works. This is how our lives operate. It's hard for us not to operate without a clock. I mean, there are some of you in here that just basically run on your own time. Y'all know anybody like that? Just run on their own time. What time is it? My time. It's my time. Doesn't matter what time. Doesn't matter what time you said it starts. I'll be there on my time. Right? There's some of you that don't have jobs anymore because you run on my time, right? Some of you who are retired, you run on my time. No problem with that. No problem with that. 
It's how our lives operate. But what this suggests is that most of our life can be defined by what time something starts and what time something ends. Well, think about that for just a moment. Our entire lives are functioning and defined by what time something starts and what time something ends. Where I'm going to be and who I'm going to be with and possibly even the attitude I'm going to have is based on what time it is. Huh? Don even said this morning, if you don't get enough sleep, you wake up in the morning, your attitude is affected by what time it is. Am I right? Your attitude's affected by how much sleep you got, how much time you spent in sleep. We recognize, we recognize that, that no matter where we are or what we're doing, we've got to figure out what time it is. Because there's very little in life that we do that isn't ruled by a beginning and by an end. We live our life one slot of time at a time. Even the Bible tells us that there is a time and a season for everything in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Y'all have heard the song, right? There's a time and a season for everything under the sun. Most importantly, there is a time to, born, to be born and there's a time to die. And obviously what we do in between those two moments is what defines and measures our lives. Amen. What we do between the time we're born and the time we die is what we stand before God and give an account for. It's the definition of our lives. And what this ends up doing is, is it causes us to compartmentalize our lives. There is a time for this, and then there's a time for that, and hopefully the two don't overlap. Some of you think in that way. Your mind is compartmentalized. You put things in boxes. You put things in certain areas. This is what I do during this time, and this is what I do during this time, and this, this is what my planner says. My planner says I'm doing this right now. Right? How many of you are, are that way? I can't function unless I am going by this, right? Right here. Don't get me off my schedule. I will punch you in the face. Come on now. I know some of you are like that. Y'all just staring at me. But we do. We compartmentalize our lives. And this can make us separate our lives between the spiritual and the secular. As if there are two different areas of, life, of our lives that demand a certain amount of our time, that we have our secular lives. We have the time that we do our work, we have the time that we go to school, we have the time that we do our play, and then we have the time that we do our spiritual things. And most of the time, they don't overlap. We do our secular things. We do our work. This is our work. I got my work friends. I got my work family. I got my work things. I got, I got my hobbies. I got my events. And then I've got church. Then I've got my spiritual time that I spend in seeking the Lord. Just think about it. Church has a beginning and an end time. And it starts on a certain day. You don't, you don't get out your calendar every week and say, I wonder if they're having church Sunday or not. Nobody, that'd be kind of odd, wouldn't it, right? You know, does anybody know when we're having church this week? It's the, same, it's the same time, all right? Some of you are still confused about when we have church. Sundays? Wednesdays? What? We have church on a certain day. It starts at a certain time. And please don't add any more services to my schedule, right? When the ch- within the church service, we have time slots that we do announcements. We sing worship songs. We give. Then we fall asleep during the sermon, <laughs> Everything's planned out. I got it written down. Right? We kind of know how things are going to go and when it's going to start and when it's going to end. Some of you have got things you've got to do after church today, and you've already told people, this is what time we normally get out, and this is what time I'll probably be there. Come on now. There are some of you who are like, and if it goes any longer, I'm leaving. 
And that's understandable. If you've got to be someplace, I understand that. That's just between you and God. You'll have to answer for that one of these days. Doesn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> it's always good to throw God into your life, isn't it, right? Those who are involved in some kind of ministry, whether you're over in the nursery or during children's church or, or you're helping out with youth or, or something of that nature that takes place during the worship service, all these volunteers, they know what their assignments are. They know what they're supposed to do. They know what they're supposed to, where they're supposed to be. They know to whom they're going to be ministering. But when the last amen is said, this quote, worship service, will be in the books. And we're going to move on to other important matters like lunch. Hallelujah. Am I right? It's going to go into the books. This, quote, worship service, because that's what we call this. You see church signs all the time. Worship service starts at such and such time. Right? So this is going to come to an end. This service is going to be history eventually when I shut up. All right, so when it comes to that, then we move on to other matters because lunch, and then probably that will end at a certain time because you've got to be someplace else that is important and has a certain time. Today, Logan and Avery have basketball practice. Logan is, and Avery both are on the same team playing basketball. Avery's going to dunk on someone or foul out, yes. But is this really how our lives are supposed to operate? Honestly, there's nothing wrong with running by time. Uh, it, honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a sign of respect when you recognize that if something starts at a certain time, you show up. If your boss says you're supposed to be at work at a certain time, you show up on time. It, it's, it's a sign of, of having your life together. It's a sign of respect. Uh, we understand those kind of things. But this is not really how our lives are supposed to, to be. Time does put demands on us. And there's not, there's, as I said, there's nothing wrong with that. But does time have to define our spiritual lives? Is our worship of God supposed to be relegated to a time slot on a weekly calendar in the, quote, worship service? Is this the only time that we worship? Is this the only time that we serve? The only time we give? The only time that we pray? The only time that we read our Bibles? And many times we don't even think of those things as acts of worship. We don't always see giving as an act of worship or serving as an act of worship or just the fact that you open your Bible and read a passage of Scripture or spend time in prayer is an act of worship. But we know that worship starts at 10 a.m. Or at least when Pastor Don or myself or Dad or whoever is done giving the announcements. Because nobody worships during the announcements, do you? I've never seen anyone during the announcements going, yes. That's a word from the Lord right there, a word. Nobody does that. We could sing the announcements, and then maybe we would do it. We'll get Mark Atkinson to sing some announcements, a video. No? No? Okay. Missy says no on Mark singing. Not a lot of good singer. God bless him. Um, worship service starts at 10 o'clock. Is it only when we gather at a church servant? service or some type of event? Is it, are these the only times that we can be spiritual? See, I believe as a Christian, there really is no distinction between the secular and the sacred. In other words, the Bible tells me that everything I do, I do as unto the Lord. Everything that I do, I do as unto the Lord, whether we are amongst the heathen at work or we're amongst the heathen in church. 
No matter where we find ourselves, we do what we do as unto the Lord. Some of us have always thought that the only callings in, in the body of Christ are those who stand behind a pulpit or someone who leads a ministry. But what you do is a calling. Where you are, you have a calling. Where God has placed you, your circle of influence, the people that you are around, you are there for a reason. And our spiritual lives is supposed to affect our secular lives and not the opposite way. That who we are as the people of God should affect us at the workplace. It should affect us at school. It should affect us in our homes. It should affect how we treat our spouses and children, our neighbors and our enemies. Because everything we do, we do as unto the Lord. Which means that the time to worship is not just a cut out amount of time during a church service. Yes, There is a time that we gather and we worship with one another that's very important. And the Bible even encourages that. Even in the psalm, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. There is a command and a demand placed on our life to come together as a congregation and worship God together. Don't ever forget that. God has called us to worship together. But the time to worship is not at 10 a.m., 10.05 to 10.35, that's not worship. Worship, the time to worship is always. Next time somebody asks you, what time is it? Time to worship. They're like, that doesn't really help me get to the meeting, but I appreciate the encouragement. What time is it? It's time to worship. It's time to worship. What does that mean? When? When's the time to worship? Right now. Five minutes from now. Tomorrow at 1.15 in the afternoon is a time to worship. David gives us a very famous declaration here in Psalm 34. Most of us have known it. We've heard it. We've spoken it. I will bless the Lord. When? At all times. His praise shall win continually be in my mouth. There is no time of worship. There is no time of praise in David's mind. The exhortation is to bless the Lord at all times, to praise Him continually. According to Psalm 34, when is a good time to bless and praise the Lord? Always. Right right now, tomorrow, the day after tomorrow. During what kind of circumstances? During what kind of situations are we supposed to worship? Any and all of them. Good ones and bad ones. Once. And notice today to David, there is a certain level of per- personal decision making when it comes to worship. I will bless the Lord at all times. David has made a personal decision to praise God. Come on now. I'm telling you, this is one of the signs that we are starting to mature as the people of God is when we can make the decision to worship and praise no matter where we are or what situation we're in. Come on, some of, us, some of us come to church on Sunday morning and you need primed in order to worship. You know, get me, if I can get through the first song and a half, then I might, I might start worshiping, right? As long as they sing that one I like and as long as so-and-so sings it and everything is, you know, the music's not too loud and the temperature's not too hot and the lights aren't too bright and the guy behind, besides me is not clapping off beat and somebody's breath doesn't stink and I'm not tired There's my checklist. Once I've got all that set and in place, then I will worship God. Come on now. We could poll the worship team, and they could tell you what they see. And you don't want to know. 
Some of you don't want to know what they see up here. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will pray. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I will. I will make that decision. The New Testament also gives us the same exhortation. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, the Bible says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We're called to literally offer a sacrifice of praise to God continually. The sacrifices in the Old Testament were given at certain times. There were certain events that brought about sacrifice. There were certain times in which the lamb was cut up and slain and sacrificed to the Lord. But according to the new covenant that we live in, the praise that we offer to God is a sacrifice that we give on a continual basis. It's not during a certain time or a certain event or a certain church service or a certain place. It's not when we're feeling good or when we're in good times or everything's going right in our lives. Unto God, I will praise him continually. He's worthy of my sacrifice of praise. So when it comes to worship, when it comes to worship, we're talking about something should be coming out of our mouths continually. Now, I, his, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I don't know about you, but if, my, if his praise is continually on my lips, if his praise is continually coming out of my mouth, then it's going to affect what I talk about. It's going to affect how I talk. Why? Because when it comes to worship, our lips have to be connected to our hearts. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah said, and Jesus quotes it, he says, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. In other words, you're saying all the right words, and, and, and many times that's what we do on Sunday mornings. We say all the right words. We sing all the right songs. We say all the Christian phrases that we're supposed to say, but then when we leave this place, God has not captured our hearts. But true worship involves the fact that our mouths are being affected by what's happened in our hearts because true worship comes from the heart and then is expressed through our mouths. Worship is a result of what God has done in us through Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 13 told us the first prepositional phrase of that verse is by him. By him we are to offer unto God our sacrifice of praise on a continual basis. It is because of Jesus and the work of the Spirit in our lives that we are radically changed from the inside by grace. And that is why, folks, just like every word that comes out of our mouth, Just like every word that comes out of our mouth, spoken praise and worship is an indication of what's in our hearts. It is an indication of the condition of our hearts. Sometimes we don't think about that. We, We don't think about the fact that what's coming out of our mouths is telling everyone, including God, including yourself, what's really going on in our hearts. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So redeemed people say so. If you're not saying so, you may not be redeemed. Redeemed people say so. Saved people are worshipers. If you're saved, you're a worshiper. If you've been born again, you're a worshiper. So you know what that does? That kind of throws a roadblock in our complaining, doesn't it? 
kind of throws a roadblock in our negative talk. Kind of throws a roadblock in us talking about everything that's wrong and everything that's bad with life and everything that's bad here and everything in that situation. I'm not saying that we can't be realistic, but if the Lord's praise is continually in our mouths, kind of stops some of that stuff, doesn't it? The psalmist says that his soul, there in verse 2, his soul will make its boast in the Lord. His praise stays continually in his mouth because of what has happened in the depths of his soul. I will bless the Lord all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Something has happened, David said. Something's happened down on the inside of me. Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. There's no room for half worship. There's there's no room with half-hearted praise. There's, There's no room for just speaking from our lips, from our souls, we declare. I will bless the Lord at all times because my soul will make its boast in the Lord. See, praise and worship is the result of experiencing the mercy and the grace of the Lord. When you have experienced this life-changing power that drills down into the depths of your soul, we're not just talking about something that you've heard and you know in your head. We're not just talking about some type of knowledge or information you have received. We are talking about when the grace and the mercy of God seeps down into the very depths of who you are in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your hurt. From that place comes, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Let all that is within me bless his holy name. Worthy of my worship and my praise. Yes, worship is not a time. And I do believe that during our time of worship here, we should make the most of every song we sing. We should make the most of every song that is led. We should make the most of every altar time that we possibly can. Why? Because my soul has experienced something amazing. You don't have to talk somebody into worshiping God who has experienced the mercy and the grace of God. When you know what has happened on the inside of you, your praise comes out. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Let all those within me bless his holy name. Folks, it's easy to keep praise continually in our mouths when we have tasted and we have seen that the Lord is good. When we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And in this psalm, if you just look at the psalmist's experience, he sought the Lord. He cried unto the Lord. And the Bible says that he was heard by God. The Lord delivered him from all his fears. He said, those that look unto the Lord will be made radiant and it will remove our shame. The Bible tells us that the Lord delivers us from all our troubles, that the angel of the Lord encamps around about us because we fear God and he delivers us. When we seek the Lord, there is no want. There is no lacking of any good What else, church, can we do except to lift our hands and lift our hearts and lift our voice and lift our lives and say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Forget not all of his benefits. He forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. He delivers my life from destruction and crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. 
I know you're going through some hard times in your life. I know that maybe you're going through a battle. I know that maybe you've been hurt. I know that maybe you've been wounded. Or maybe you're going through the best time of your life. But now is the time to worship. Now is the time to praise. Now is the time to give honor unto God for who he is and what he has done. There are two motivations I want to share with you really quickly in this psalm for why we should bless the Lord at all times, why we should praise him continually. And the first one is trust. The Bible says there, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Because why? To trust is to taste. When we trust the Lord, we are tasting of God. We are tasting of God's goodness. We are tasting of what God wants to do in our lives. Lives. Some of you like to eat. You like food? I like food. There are some people who just eat to live, and then there are some people who live to eat. I think I lean more towards the latter. I enjoy food. I enjoy eating. I enjoy the taste of food. And it makes you even look forward to it, doesn't it? Man, I've already tore y'all up. I, I preached last Sunday up at uh, Chesapeake, and they were having dinner after the service. It's really unfair to preach a sermon when you can smell food in the next room because they're already distracted. What did he say? Something about Jesus? He said something about Jesus, but oh, I smell turkey. You know, because it, 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 food, food has such a, you know, even just the drive for food uh, can make us do things that we wouldn't normally even do. Um, and just that desire to satisfy that longing will cause us to eat things we probably shouldn't eat, right? Because it's a strong drive not only to feed ourselves, but to stay alive. And the Lord has, the, the Bible has commanded us, taste and see. Just taste and see that the Lord is good because once you taste and see, you'll want to taste again. But to trust is to taste. And what do we trust? We trust the Lord's faithfulness. We trust the Lord's word. We trust his promises. We trust that God knows more than we do. We trust that he is at work when we can't see it. We trust that he will work his purpose in our lives, whatever it takes in order for him to do that. Trust motivates us to praise God, no matter the situation. See, the the definition of faith in the Bible leans actually more towards trust. Most of the time when we think about faith, we think about the believing side of faith, where God has given me a promise, I'm going to believe God for the promise, and I'm going to receive the promise. And that that obviously is faith. Faith is believing and receiving. I completely and totally believe that. But honestly, that is really a young form, an immature form of faith. That faith that says, give me something, God. Give me something, God. I'm believing for your promise. Give me something, God. Give me something, God. There's nothing wrong with praying for your needs, right? Give give us this day our daily bread. The Bible tells us you have not because you ask not. You're supposed to pray for yourself. You're supposed to pray for your needs. I understand that. But the deep faith that God is driving us towards is a, a faith that's called trust. It's where we trust God even when we don't have the answer. It's where we trust God even when we don't feel that God is at work. It's where we trust God that we know He is at work in our lives even when we can't see it. 
that even in the middle of our battle and even in the middle of our heartache and even in the middle of the situation we're going through, we can trust that God, first of all, has not been taken by surprise and that God can use what we're going through to get us to where he wants us to be. And I don't know about you, but where God wants me to be is where I want to be. Where God wants me to be is where I want to be. See, we think we know where we want to be. But it's God working in us both to do and to perform his good pleasure in our lives. Taste and see that the Lord of good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. And I know that many times that's just a Christianese phrase to say trust God or trust in the Lord or whatever. But that's what God has commanded us to do. And you know what trust also allows you to do? It allows you to go to sleep. It allows you to rest because it's not up to you. It's not up to you. Once you place your trust in him, it's his work. It's his plan. It's his purpose. It's, he knows what he's doing. I mean, I know there's probably been times that you've told someone, now I trust you. I trust you with this. And they took you down the wrong road. Has that ever, ever happened to you? You ever been riding in a car and you're like, I think we should have went that way. No, no, we're supposed to go this way. All right, well, I trust you. Next thing you know, you know, maybe we should have gone that way. Yeah, that's what I get for trusting you, right? Trusting you got me lost. But I can promise you this. If you trust the Lord, you'll never be lost. You'll never be alone. You'll never have to go through this by yourself. You have, you have the strength of the Lord in your li- life. Now, I do want to say this, and uh, some of you may have heard me say this before, maybe on a Wednesday, but one of the, the biggest Christian phrases that we hear said is that the Lord will never give us more than we can handle. And, and I understand the sentiment of that, but you're really using a verse of Scripture wrong. The Bible does not say that the Lord will not give us more than we can handle. What the Bible says is that there is no temptation that will come to you that is not common to man, but the Lord will make a way of escape while you're in that temptation. So the Bible does not say that God is never going to put you in a situation where you can't handle it. If you, don't, if you can handle every situation, you don't need God. The whole reason why you need saved is because you've got a situation you can't handle. You can't handle your lost estate. You can't make yourself better. You can't be good enough. You can't clean your act up. You can't go to church enough to get to heaven. It is only by trusting in Jesus. So the reason why I need to trust God is because there are things in life I can't handle on my own. There are things in life I can't get through without the strength of the Lord and without the fellowship of other believers. The reason why we can bless the Lord at all times is because we trust Him. And number two, the reason why we can bless Him and the reason why we can worship continually is because of fear. We don't talk about the fear of God a whole lot because what we want to focus on is the love of God. And, and that obviously is who God is. God is love, but we forget that deep godly fear will motivate us to worship. Now, I don't know about you, but God is love. He is the personification of love. That means that everything he does is out of love. Everything he says is because of love. Every, every thought he has toward us is motivated by love. But love and wrath are not opposites. And I think I've shared this bef- with you before. Those of you who have kids, you understand the connection between love and wrath. Come on now. You can love your children and want to wring their neck. 
But at the same time, because you love your children, if someone does something to your kids, wrath. Wrath comes out, does it not? Because love and wrath are not opposites. And because God loves us, he tells us the truth. And the truth says that God is holy, that he is other, that he is above all. The world tells us that it doesn't matter how we live or the lifestyle that we choose. It doesn't matter what comes out of our mouth. It doesn't matter how many sins we commit. God loves us. This is really sometimes the attitude that we have, that we can do what we want because God loves us. But because God loves us, he tells us the truth. And he says, I'm holy, I'm other, I am above all. And so one of these days, this God of love, this God of grace and mercy will also be a God of judgment and wrath. God is bigger than who we are. Amen. He's bigger, he's bigger than our problem, bigger than our situation, but the Bible tells us he measures the universe with a span. Span is from the end of your middle finger to your elbow. God measures the universe with a span, a universe that is ever expanding. He measures it with a span. The nations are a drop in the bucket. He uses the earth as a footstool. This God is big, which means as we stand in awe of God, if we stand in awe of who He is and what He's done, it produces in us that trusting heart of worship. When we recognize how big God is and how awesome God is, when we recognize that He's God, that He's holy, that He's worthy of my praise, whether I feel like giving it or not, it erases our reasons for not blessing Him at all times. The fear of God reminds us that when I question and when I doubt, and even when I get angry with God, I'm not God. I'm not God. The Bible says, Who is man that thou art mindful of us? And what the psalmist is recognizing is, Who am I as a man that I would demand God to think about me? But he does anyway. Who am I as a man to demand that God does anything? The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 17 that this God is the God who in him we live and move and have our being. But this God who made all things is the God who is of need of nothing. He's a, he has need of nothing. Some of us run around thinking, God, look, God needs me. God, you need me. No, he doesn't. But that's what's so awesome about God. He doesn't need you. He wants you. He wants you. And there's such a big difference between just being needed and being wanted. Marriages fall apart because you're only needed and not wanted. The fear of God reminds me that God is God, and that's enough. That's the end of the conversation. God is God. I don't always understand what God is doing. I don't understand why God let this happen. I don't always understand why God's not answering the prayer the way I thought he would answer. But at the end of the day, I trust him and I stand in awe of who he is. What that means is the fear of God tells me that even if I'm lost, even if I'm not a Christian, he's still worthy of my praise. Whether I belong to him or not, He's God and worthy of my worship. And so, when is the time to worship? Continually, at all times. The time to worship is every day, every moment, every circumstance, every situation. Let us not forget to live the life of praise. See, to be worshipers, we don't just engage in worship. We are worshipers. 
We've been called to be worshipers, not just to come and sing worship songs. Because why? Why? Now. Now is the time. Now is the time to worship. Now is the time to praise the Lord. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Father, we are grateful. Sometimes we don't take enough time to worship. We don't take enough time to praise. The Lord's Prayer tells us, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. And so this morning we declare, holy is the name of God. Holy is our God. 